we typically use somewhere between two and three percent when we're trying to calculate what you know future dollars are going to be worth in the future so have no problem using 2.67 as a uh, rule of thumb there for people who are trying to calculate how much money is going to be worth in the future or how much money they're going to need in the future on an inflation adjusted basis welcome to the all things retirement podcast with certified financial planner anthony alpha here's your host ben george but when it comes to financial planning, retirement planning, there are a lot of rules that people kind of generally follow across the board. You might have heard of some of them. Some of them you might have never heard of. But we got a, a handful of rules today that we're going to go through and see if they actually, well, first we'll get a definition. That's the first thing. Make sure we'll explain it to you. But then also find out if they're legit or not, whether or not you should be paying attention or following these rules of thumb. Obviously, it's always better to work with a financial professional an advisor like Anthony Alpha that can help actually personalize your plan, customize it for your goals and your needs. But we want to go through these rules today on the episode. So I want to welcome in Anthony, see how you're doing, man. What's uh, what's new since I talked to you last? Well, we got our second child on the way, so that's new news. Oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, so we're expecting a, well, we don't know, okay. but uh, in next uh, February. So we're, uh, I guess, 14, 15 yeah, I guess I should know that, but somewhere like 18 weeks in. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's new news, right? I don't know if I can do much to top that one. We're not breaking the news here on the on the podcast, are we? For people, for any family that might tune in. Uh, no, they're all okay. they all know at this <laughs> okay. point. Yeah. Good news. Well, you're gonna have your hands full then next uh, come next uh, winter and spring with with your little daughter Rosie already, who's what just over a year old now. Yeah, we're gonna have two under two and. The goal, or the goal, is to maybe wait to uh, be surprised. So oh, really? I don't know okay. if we're going to find out what the uh, sex is until uh, until February, till the day oh, of. That's awesome. Well, congratulations again. That's big Thanks. news, and uh, excited for you. Well, let's get some uh, get to a headline first. Start off the show with a bit of news and what's been going on. Uh, Tesla. I'm sure you maybe you've talked to some clients about investing in Tesla. It's been pretty crazy ride for them this year in 2020. And they've actually replaced Toyota as the world's most valuable automaker, which is wild to think about. It happened pretty quickly. Uh, Do you think Tesla's stock is a good investment? And again, we're not giving investment advice, but just overall, what do you think about when you see Tesla stock? Yeah, I mean, you know, generally we don't get into buying individual stocks. It's not typically what we do for for our clients. Uh, They're certainly in the funds that we buy because we you know certainly buy mutual funds or exchange traded funds that ultimately have holdings in tesla but that's a pretty common question along with some other individual stock companies that people ask us about and i usually just say you know think about it in if you like to make bets or investments in individual companies i'm sure you have some type of process that you or you should have some type of process that you go through in order to make those types of decisions in order to buy, you know, one company from another. So that's generally what I say. And I, I really don't take that hard of a stance on that type of stuff, because again, it's just not something that we typically do. And I usually would recommend it not to be a part of their main, uh, let's say retirement portfolio. And if it's kind of like a side pot, you know, by all means, and, you know, in, in terms of what they've done, it's pretty amazing over the last, I guess, 15 years, to be the most valuable, you know, automaker at this point, 
And you know, these companies have been around other companies, automakers have been around so much longer. And they basically are, I guess if you want to call it the apple of the auto industry in a lot of ways. And it's amazing that the, the traction and advancements in the battery and where the EV cars are going and, and come along in such a short period. So I'm certainly interested in continuing to follow this story and you know, see where it goes. Yeah, I definitely noticed more and more Teslas on the road. And I think when it first when it first was designed, you know, I think the battery was obviously a huge concern. Who's going to get in their car and drive a long way when you're not sure how far you can get? But it seems like that technology continues much like, I mean, the technology we see with our cell phones, how much has changed in 10 or 15 years. That technology adapts and evolves so quickly that they've caught up and surpassed now Toyota, who has been so reliable and dependable and yep. such a popular car automaker, but pretty crazy to see. Yeah, I just think they caught a lot of uh, automakers um, off guard and they weren't really prepared and, and are behind, you know, trying to catch up to what the progress of Tesla's made there. Yeah, I think it's one of those where like, you know, these new companies come along and the guys that have been doing it forever just feel like they don't need to adjust, right? Those, the new guys, let them take the chances and we have what's working. And I think we've seen it a lot with, you know, all kinds of uh, blue chip companies for the longest time now, you know, have been outdated and, and passed up by these new forward thinking companies. And that's kind of the case here. 100%. I mean, I, I, I don't know how you can be uh, a CEO of a company today and not be forward looking for and ready for change because it's it continuously is, is happening at such a rapid pace with technology. Yeah. I always think about Blockbuster and Netflix. That'll be, huh. that's what I always think about when, <laughs> I, when it comes to that. They just, they just kind of yeah. shrug their shoulders at Netflix and Look where we are today. There's one blockbuster left, I think, in the country. So I think you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our main topic today. Are these rules full of bull? And I got a, a number of rules here I want to go through. And I think these are just kind of thrown around a lot in the financial planning world. I don't know if you use much of these. We're going to find out today, Anthony. But I want to explain them. And then uh, you let me know whether or not these are valuable for somebody that's trying to lay out a financial plan. So start with the 10% rule. What is that? Well, the 10% rule is usually just kind of uh, a recommendation that people should save about 10% of their income for retirement. And that, you know, it's getting them kind of on the right track. I'm telling anybody younger, my age or older, that you're probably going to want to save more than, than that amount. But, you know, if you're somebody who's just starting off and only able to save, say, 5%, it'd be you know, a great idea to try to work towards that 10% goal. But if you're saving 10, you might want to keep trying to figure out how to save more and more. I think just ultimately today, with less pensions being around, uh, a low interest rate environment that seems to be around, I think most people are going to need a lot more money in the future than what they maybe realistically uh, are aware about. So I think the best way is to kind of do some type of analysis just to get an idea is 10% you know, the right number for you, or, or do you need to be saving more? And I'm, I'm seeing that people will say on the younger side in the twenties to forties, you know, really are going to need to be saving a lot more than 10% if they want to be financially independent. So maybe a good starting point, but uh, you definitely will never tell anybody to not save more if they can possibly. So. Can't, you can't go broke <laughs> saving, right? Somebody <laughs> told me that when I got into the industry a long time ago. Yeah, absolutely. All right, another percentage for you, the 4% rule. This is one that we talk about all the time in our retirement workshops. It's a pretty well-known one. It's certainly a little bit more complicated, but basically it's saying that you can, in retirement, figure in for like a typical, say, 30-year retirement, take your nest egg, times it by 4%, 
And that's the amount that you could spend over that 30 year period and have a very good probability of not running out of money. And that's been under a lot of uh, stress or pressure, the 4% rule today due to, again, the low interest rate environment, uh, the higher amount of volatility. So I would say it's a good kind of rule of thumb or guide to see if you're on the right track. And, but I think a lot of people are putting that 4% down closer to about 3% today. And in some cases, even less than 3%. Again, it's going to depend on what you're using, how you're investing, and also when you actually retire. So if you're retiring in a, in a market that's going up and doing really well versus somebody who's retiring at a really volatile time or in a bear market, you could you know, somebody in a, in a good upside market might be able to spend four or five, maybe 6% perhaps, right? But somebody retiring in a very bad market could be closer to two. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but that's something that is at least giving you an indication if you're on the right track, it's just a little bit more complicated than that for sure. I wouldn't make my life's decisions based off of it without going through some type of further analysis for sure. Okay. Well, let's stick with percentages. I'm going to hop around a little bit on the list, but the 80% rule. So we already did the 10%, the 4%. What's, what about the 80% rule? A lot of percentage rules out there, <laughs> huh? Uh, Apparently. Yeah. So the 80% rule is basically a guideline. A lot of people don't know what their retirement budget is. And so a good starting point would be kind of take your current spending amount and times it by 80%. And that's just to kind of give you a rough idea, call it a guide or a starting point for you to get an idea of how much money you could expect to be spending in retirement based off of your current spend. So if you spend currently $100,000 a year on living your life, 80% of that would be $80,000. And that's what you would kind of build the financial analysis on. I think a lot of times with most of our clients that are kind of in that 55 to 65 range, they have a lot better idea of their budget and also in terms of what it's going to look like in retirement because you know a lot of the kids are out of the house they're beyond college payments or or planning uh, the mortgage is maybe closer to being paid off so their true lifestyle spend is a lot easier to probably track versus say somebody who is 30 or 40 years old it's pretty difficult because you have all these other goals that you're doing. And that is where the 80% rule could be helpful for the average 30 or 40 year old to give you an idea of if you're on the right track to kind of maintain a similar lifestyle in towards retirement. Okay. Good explanation of those three. So I'll, I'll move away from percentages for you, at least for now. Let's go to the 25 times rule. How does this uh, help you figure out income? I think this kind of really came about because there's a lot of, um, financially independent people who want to try to retire early. And so to get an idea, again, in broad terms, just to kind of say, you know, how much money do I really need if I really wanted to retire early? You would take your current spend and times it by 25. And so if it was um, you know, $30,000 annually, then you would need about 750000 or if it was 50,000, you would need 1.25 million. So that's kind of how the, the rule works to give you an idea. You know, again, I, it's just more complicated when you start to factor in things like social security, pensions, part-time work, rental properties. Um, 
I think that that rule also assumes like a 7% rate of return. Again, uh, you know, whether or not that's the right rate of return to assume, it doesn't include inflation. So there's definitely some um, missing components of it. Again, just kind of a rule of thumb to give you an idea of you know, how much money you would need in to get towards retirement. That's kind of all I would use it for. All right. Uh, the rule of 72, I think I've heard of this one a few times. And this is isn't this how you can figure out kind of an investment, how it, how it will double over time. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. So if you have using the, the number 72, and if you wanted to double your investment account in 10 years, you would divide 72 by 10, and that would equal 7.2. So you would need a 7.2% rate of return to double your investment in 10 years. Let's just say in 20 years, right? So 72 divided by 20, that would equal 3.6%. So, you know, to double your investment in say 20 years, you would, you know, need a 3.6% rate of return. So you can use any number there to kind of get an idea of the time it takes to double it or the rate of return needed to do to to meet a certain uh, number of years. You think that's pretty doable uh, to get that rate of return over 10 years? I mean, it certainly has happened uh, for sure. It just depends on how much risk that you want to take in your investment account to give you the opportunity to try to get that. Obviously, it comes with risk. So it's just something to really, I think, back into to identify you know, what the goal is, objective is of that money and, and how much risk you're comfortable taking in order to get there. Okay. Here's what some I've never. People, yeah, you got the the turtle, the turtle and the hair story. So right, some people like it slow and steady. Yeah, one that I've never really heard of before: the rule of two point six seven. Very specific number there. Yeah, I think I think what they're referring to. I don't know if I heard that as being a rule, but I think it's um, kind of more on based off of inflation. So it's basically trying to give you an idea of how much money your current money will be in the future. And 2.67 is kind of right somewhere in the middle of the kind of inflation rate that a lot of times is assumed in financial plans. I think it's definitely a good number to use. So we typically use somewhere between two and 3% when we're trying to calculate uh, what you know future dollars are going to be worth in the future. So have no problem using 2.67 as a uh, rule of thumb there for people who are trying to calculate how much money is going to be worth in the future or how much money they're going to need in the future on an inflation adjusted basis. Well, one that we will close out on is one that you kind of touched on our last episode. So the mailbag question we took last week uh, was kind of ahead of the game on us a little bit. So you don't have to explain it as much. People can go back and listen to get your thoughts on whether or not you believe in it, but just explain the rule of 100 to us one more time. Yeah. So the rule of 100 is a um, rule that was created to determine what's the right mix of stocks and bonds to be used and taking your age, subtracting it from 100. And that would identify how much uh, stocks you should have in your portfolio. So if you're age 60, you should have 60% in bonds and then 40% the remainder would be in stocks. I don't use it. I don't think it's a good rule of thumb. Um, So I'd put it into the bull category. And, um, you know, I, I just think that you need more financial analysis to really determine what the right mix of stocks and bonds are. And um, that using that type of rule is just not uh, sophisticated enough. 
Very good. Well, as you can say, there's a lot of rules to keep up with when it comes to financial planning. But when you have an advisor you work with and can trust, you don't have to really worry about these things. You you don't follow these general rules. Everything's personalized for yourself, for your income, for your assets, for your future. And uh, you can work with Anthony to align yourself and, and, and put a plan together in place to have you ready for retirement without having to worry about every single one of these little rules that are out there. But they are good to know and good to be aware of. So thanks for running through those with us, Anthony. I want to turn to the mailbag to close it out for us here on the show. Got a couple questions again. So if you ever have anything on your mind, send them in to us. CardinalWG.com is the website. Trinity writes in, which of my accounts should I withdraw from first when I retire? My 401k, my Roth IRA, my brokerage account that mainly consists of mutual funds or the extra cash that I have in the bank? It's a great question. Uh, One that many people I don't think ask and kind of just assume to do it in a certain order. But I think that it's a great question and that you would really need to go through an analysis that demonstrates going a few different routes to see which one makes the most sense. And depending on what your overall goals are, what your other income streams are. So if you have a pension or social security that you may not have started, if you're married, they might have another social security work, part-time job, pension to also incorporate. That's really going to influence a lot of um, the answers to your question. So there's not a one size fits all uh, approach that I do not prescribe and that it's really something that you would want somebody to kind of walk you through the uh, trade-offs between doing one, starting one over the other. Got it. Our last one comes in from Millie. I really like this question. Uh, it's funny. I'm 64 years old. I wanted to work until I was 66 or 67. So I was going to get serious about my financial plans in a year or so, but I just can't deal with my mouth breathing boss anymore. <laughs> what do I need to have in place before I can give them my notice and storm out of here? Wow. Okay. Well, I would say make sure that you can retire if, if you're planning not to go back to work, because that would, um, you know, if you're planning to work that two or three extra years, that, that's a good amount of extra money in your pocket. And to push retirement off uh, by that amount of time certainly can have a big impact and be helpful to your retirement scenario, um, how that might play out. But if you have more than enough money and you, you could retire now and you have some analysis that shows you that, then that's great. And, you know, don't have to worry about too much. The only thing I'd probably say is just check, you know, what your company benefits that you currently have are and see if any of those are portable that you might want to take with you. If you don't think that you're as financially uh, strong and that you need to get another job, I'd probably say maybe try to hold out a little bit longer while you look for another job because there is a lot of uncertainty and unemployment's pretty high right now. So depending on your industry, it could be difficult to get another job that's something that you like, comparable, uh, that fits for what you want. So I think those would be the things that I would be uh, talking to you about if it was me. Well, good luck to you, Millie. Uh, Hopefully you have everything in order though before you storm out of there. But it's also a good reminder to of why you should always get ahead on your planning, right? I mean, don't wait until you have to start planning. And maybe not that's maybe not your case specifically, Millie, but just in general, if you can get start planning earlier, 
you'll be better off in the long run. In case something does change in your life, you'll be prepared for it. So uh, hopefully that helps Millie, but good luck to you along the way with that that, uh, job and hopefully you can get out of there sooner than later. Uh, Let's close it out, Anthony, on that note. uh, A lot of fun today on this episode. Learned a lot about the different rules. I don't know how much I'll remember. There's a lot of numbers to process, a lot of percentages, but I think it was very helpful. I'm glad I could help and uh, hope you have a uh, great week and uh, looking forward to uh, our next episode. Absolutely. Well, stay safe, everyone listening, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of All Things Retirement. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.